Well, welcome everyone. You're listening to A Night at the Roundtable, and we're coming to you live from bbsradio.com station two. My name is Caroline Oceana Ryan, and I'll be your host this evening. And I'm here with my absolutely wonderful co-host and friends, energy healer and bioenergetics expert, Benayak, energy healer, Randy Miller, and Faction 3 White Knights, Rama Arjuna and Tara Green. So our guest in the second hour will be author and filmmaker Craig Campobasso, and he'll be speaking with us about an exciting new project that he's creating relating to his very amazing book, The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, which is fascinating reading with some amazing illustrations and even photographs of ETs. So we really look forward to that. And we welcome anyone. Please do call in. If you've got a question or comment for our guest or any of the co-hosts, the numbers to call for Station 2 are 888-429-5471. That's 888-429-5471 or 323-744-4841. That's 323-744-4841. Four eight four one. All right, fantastic. So to start us off today, we're going to have a short meditation from our wonderful friend Vinayak. So I'll pass that talking stick over to you, Vinayak. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Vinayak. Thank you, Caroline. It's a pleasure to be with everybody. And looking forward to a great show, as always. So now's the time that we get to just relax. Allow your bodies to just settle in and breathe. And happy 11-11 portal opening day. As uh, it has been a wonderful time and even when you, if you listen to the show after this time, no worries because the portal is still open for 11 days after. So you're still inside the window where you have this opportunity to take advantage of the energies that are coming into our beautiful planet right now. And speaking of those energies, allow your energy now to sink into the earth. Beautiful planet that we are supported and dependent upon. And just breathe. Nice deep breaths. Let that energy go down into the earth, from the bottoms of your feet, from your root chakra, the base of your spine. And just see, sense, or feel that beautiful crystalline grid of energy in Mother Gaia. And notice that you are the one that lighted up by you adding your energy to it. And just as soon as you see, feel, 
or sense that. Bring that energy back up into your body. All the way through your chakras. Your base, the root, your sacral, the second chakra. Your solar plexus, the third. Your heart. Wow, what a magnificent heart we have. A collective energy of love. That substance that we're made of and come from. Which is eternal. As are you. As are we. Now bring that energy up into your throat. And into your third eye, that brow center. You may feel some tingling now in that area. You bring the energy to the top of your head. Your magnificent and worthy crown. Imagine that you are just having an energy that's like a beacon of light that shines up into the cosmos, connecting with all of our galactic brothers and sisters. They are very, very proud of each and every one of us because we're here now. And when you feel that energy coming back down to you, bring it back down into your crown. And just see, sense, or feel your crown expanding and opening, getting wider and wider and wider as you awaken, as you awaken, as you breathe in new and amazing, astonishing. Awareness, expanding your consciousness because you choose to. Bringing it into your third eye, your throat, the creative center that allows you to speak forth the vibration of the word that allows you to go out into the universe. And manifest that which you choose, that which you ask for. And now bring that down into your heart. And take some deep breaths if you haven't already. Expand your heart. Send that energy out into the cosmos. Through and out through your hands. Expanding around this beautiful planet of ours. Now bring to mind anybody that you know that may be challenged or struggling at this time. Or perhaps they're having a great time. Perhaps they're thriving. 
whatever it is, just send them love. Share your love with them. To all beings on the planet, we share our love. The plants, the animals, the mineral kingdom, the fairies, the gnomes, all the seen and unseen. We are all one. And now, the beautiful part is they get to share their love back to you. Bring it back into your heart. Expand, 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 and grow, and feel your magnificence. Acknowledge and love yourself for being here in this now moment. As you open your heart, you also open your mind to new ideas and receiving our guest, as well as the comments from the from the co-host. Take a deep breath. Settle in. Prepare to listen. Prepare to learn. Prepare to grow. Prepare to comment if you'd like to call into the show. You are deeply, deeply loved and appreciated. And with so much love and gratitude, we thank you. And with that, I say namaste. And I pass the talking stick back to you, Caroline. Thank you so much. Really beautiful. Thank you so much, my friend. Most welcome. You know, so lovely to be reminded that we have galactic friends looking out for us, caring about us, <laughs> sending us encouragement and healing light. Really wonderful. Thank you. Um, amongst all the other lovely images. So already um, wonderful. I guess we'll move on to energy updates. And so I'm wondering, um, Randy, have you got an update for us? Greetings, Caroline. (laughs) I'll pass the talking stick to you. Thank you. I'll take that stick and bang on the table and make sure everyone's still awake. I missed last night's cash meeting, so hopefully Micah caught it. He'll have to give us an update on that. I did get an update from another galactic being yesterday, though, that they have captured some demonic being that was supposedly heading something here on Earth. He is in a containment field. And the word was, will be dealt with shortly. So, and this is another fleet of beings I didn't know about. I met the gentleman who's a Earth representative about a year ago. He contacted me last night and said, hang on, because things are going to hit the fan very quickly. He said, on many realms, things are moving extremely fast. Rest when you can. And if you don't worry about sleep, That's okay, because the other part of yourself is away and very busy. And today, being 11-11, I thought that was interesting, the message was sent last night. 
Because as we know, all these cosmic alignments do much, much more for us than what a lot of people realize. The cosmic energies, they do not stop. They do not work nine to five. They are there 24-7. And my body tells me that each time these things accelerate, the body needs rest to catch up. And let, if you have to have an afternoon nap, have an afternoon nap. Listen to what your body is telling you. It is more intelligent than anybody in a white suit. I'll just respect anybody that wears white suits. But to realize that we are galactic energy transference beings. We transmit and receive galactic energy. That's how the universe works. We're the conduit, and we are going to save ourselves. That's the real mission here. The real mission is understanding your soul came to Earth for what reason? To experience the third dimension. Also, to heal the third dimension. So, I pass the talking stick back to you, Caroline. Excellent points. Thank you, my friend. Wonderful. Um, I'm wondering, um, Micah, if you've got an update. If so, please do unmute yourself and we'll hand that talking stick over to you for either an energy update or a cash update. Up to you, my friend. (laughs) Thanks, Caroline, and greetings to all of our listeners from around the globe. Um, In the coming time, There will be uh, representing a a difficulty for many to understand the technology that's about to be rolled out. But once people actually get a chance to taste it, they'll begin to feel the fruit of it. Um, In the coming months, the Keshe Foundation will be beginning to teach the process of the conversion of the cell of the human into energy and collectively transform the soul of the man to be able to travel into space. The Keshe Foundation develops space technology, and its purpose is to bring humanity outside of its quarantined Earth bubble to begin to reintegrate into our intergalactic community, to begin exploration and travel throughout the cosmos after 13,000 years of amnesia and imprisonment within the confines of each and every one of our minds. Perhaps the greatest epiphany is that the universe is perfect. And if we are all one being inextricably connected to that omniverse of all the creation, then this has all been but a dream that we can finally wake up to see the infinite perfection of all creation. Um, Mr. Cash also announced that in the plan in the next couple years, last night on their public teaching, over the next couple years, they plan to have uh, Cash Foundation wellness centers in every major city across the across the globe um also there's a new co2 um extraction technology he was talking about last night uh there's gonna start with five major cities i believe london new york iran china and i can't remember the the fifth one but uh basically it's going to be able to help clean up the pollution and reverse the global warming. Um, 
So yeah, that's basically the main announcements from Cash Foundation from last night. And I'll pass the talking stick back to you, Caroline. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Micah. That is wonderful. Um, so my friend Vinayak, I'm looking at you. Have <laughs> you got any input or any encouraging words for us? Beyond what you've already given us. <laughs> Always, Caroline. Always a pleasure to talk. Okay. Share, uh, what's going on with me and and um, the feelings that are happening on the planet. So, as we've already talked about, this beautiful energy that's coming in, this opening of the portal. It's a time to to let go of um, any struggles or challenges that you may have with your ancestry that you brought in from past lives that you brought in from this life with you, from your ancestors. Uh, today is a day that you can absolutely tune in to those struggles, the challenges or things that you may know about your ancestors. And if there's something there that you, that's troubling you has been, you know, um, perhaps delaying your own, awakening and um evolution uh today is the day to let it go and the energy is there for that to happen uh just want to remind everybody that we all chose to be here throughout many lifetimes we've actually been preparing for this very moment and it's so exciting for me and hopefully for you to realize that our choices are how we are evolving and we actually chose this time to help the planet earth mother gaia to ascend as much as our own ascension and this time of being here on the planet, no matter what any of us are going through in this moment. Remember, you have guardian angels. Every single one of us does. You have access to spirit teams by just calling in the masters and the ascended masters that you resonate with that you want to, they're there for our asking. They're there to help us at any time to support us and to love us. They acknowledge how beautiful it is that we are here on the planet right now. And with that bing bing, I will pass the talking stick. Love to all and blessings for everyone. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah, really wonderful. It is an astounding time. Uh, I have, for myself, I have to say, I felt the energies coming in even last week. And um, this really is this 1111 portal. It really is just a, the most amazing um sort of it's a freeing sort of feeling so when you say you can let go of whatever isn't serving you kind of an idea i agree 
the diac. That's it's a very interesting um, higher flow of energies, I think, than what we're used to on this planet. And I feel it's only going to increase. I think Patty Robles was saying between now and the end of uh, December or the next 40 days at any rate, uh, we're going to see increasing levels of light on the planet. And it, this portal, it, it's not just a one moment event. It really is a lovely ongoing um, journey. You step through that opening in the dimensions and you keep rising. So wonderful. So now we'll go to Rama and Tara, our faction three white knights, and hear what's going on. Uh, sometimes people will say, what's up in the zoo, Lord Rama? <laughs> Maybe it sounds a little cynical, but anyway, um, Ramantara, we'd love to hear if um, Ram has spoken with any of his contacts and if you've had any interesting meetings and um, realizations lately. So I'll pass that talking stick over to you. Greetings, Greetings, everyone. Happy Happy. (laughs) 11-11. Yeah. I was going to say that 1111 represents like radical new beginnings in our personal lives and in uh, Mother Gaia's life and in humanity's lives and in all of nature's lives. Um, And as Patty extended that 40 days, just think about 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. Is that right, Rawa? (laughs) Well, there's a manifestation to that. And they keep telling us from the Faction Three White Knights that we've already won. Yes. And the the energies that with the solar flares each day are just uh, awesome to behold with what's coming in and the aurora borealises around the planet. I, I mean, you got to kind of be under a rock if you can't feel the energies right now and it, it is so palpable <laughs> that i mean there are times through the night the cats here they are just you know so full of energy oh that, my goodness you know i they wake me up at two or three and you know the galactic folks are here and the energies are pouring in um today i got a text message from abby martin and uh she confronted miss nancy pelosi and miss aoc is taking up the gauntlet with abby martin Basically, just saying that, you know, the U.S. military uh, needs to be held accountable for the carbon emissions that they exude across the planet. Why do we still have standing armies to this day? don't everybody answer at once. <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and as you know, Dr. Greer keeps telling us on infinitum ad nauseum, as you know, we are a singularity consciousness connecting with other consciousnesses. Um, 
it, it's at that level, right past the talking stick. Yeah, and I was just getting it too that people who are basically unaware of what we talk about here and about what is eleven eleven and stuff. It's it's uh, you see people acting like they're in the theater of the absurd, or they're thinking they're acting very ludicrous, or they act in ways because they are frightened inside, and they act in frightening and depressing ways on the outside too. And so we're being called to uh, bring a a. Uh, a sense of calm to every situation. I would say that that would be more important than ever right now. Um, and I'd also guess that um, uh, humor helps. And even though there's all this interweavings of ignorance about, you know, the darkness is um, uh, vaccines and, and, uh, intentions to cause more harm um as we work with humor and we work with our awake consciousness in ourselves and we do conflict resolution within and without i think that's the intervention through us yes and so we are um you know we are the ones we've been waiting for as randy was saying uh, we're mastering ourselves and we're mastering it together with everyone else. Group, world, world group service mastery is on the menu for all of us. Yeah. If you've ever seen the movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is based on, you know, the true stories of what has happened that, you know, when our friends show up are they you know are we going to meet them with our uh toys of war or are we going to greet them in friendship and love i cast a talking stick yeah and be in present time yes a lot of people don't even know what that means (laughs) if you will and also um there's instantaneous messages being transmitted as we be in that present time in calm. Uh, the galactics are just uh, increasing and amping up the light and the frequencies of light are waking up our consciousness. Uh, and a lot of people are getting bright ideas that they never even knew that they had. And it's, uh, it's great to have a form like this and, uh, so, Rama, I think you should read the rest of this. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start on Friday. Okay. Uh, I received a text message this morning from Tom, the ringtail cat, Larry Curley, and Mo, and Rosa from Palestine, and sweet Angelique, the cat. They were calling from outside of the UN. COP26 Climate Summit building in Glasgow, Scotland. It was 11.25 a.m. Daylight Standard Time this morning. 
all these galactic folks shape-shifted to look like young people, joining thousands and thousands of youth in Greta Thunberg in Glasgow to protest for action on climate change. Tom said to me, Lord Rama, COP26 is a green whitewash. Lots of talk and empty promises. The 13 families are being exposed by all the young people. Rosa said, at this point, as we work with the elementals and the sacred geometry, we can change this story now. All we need is love. All the forces of light are here. Send more love. Satnam Namaste. Blaze the violet fire. Then this is um, the Dalai Lama on November 5th. Which was Guy Fox Day. Remember, remember the 5th of November. <laughs> In order to develop our mind, we must look at a deeper level. Everyone seeks happiness, joyfulness, but from outside, from money, from power, from big car, from big house, most people never pay much attention to the ultimate source of a happy life, which is inside, not outside. This is Saturday, um, the 6th. I received a text message from the King of Swords at noon today. He said to me, Lord Rama, go listen to Bruce Lipton, the Commander Pryon. It is amazing. Blaze the violet fire. Namaste. And that was about two hours and plus, right? Or almost two hours. Yes. Um, maybe we should get that up there on our on our website, a link so people can listen. Can you encapsulate what they were discussing? Um, that's Lee Carroll channeling Cryon, who is, is he sort of, does he describe himself as a galactic being or an ascended master? I never know what Cryon is, really. Cryon um, is one of the original um, galactic great silent watchers who came here in the very beginning when they started seeding life forms. I have heard of him, oh God, back in the 70s, cryon of magnetic service. And, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Okay, this is... Uh, on uh, November 9th, the Dalai Lama. Please don't think that compassion, love, and tolerance are only belong to religion. They belong to human life. From compassion, we develop self-confidence. That brings inner strength, allowing us to act with transparency and candor. This is Tuesday of this week. I received a call from Tom, the Ringtail Cat, Larry Curley, and Mo again, and Rosa from Palestine, and Sweet Angelique the Cat, 
It was 11.39 this morning. They all said to me, Lord Rama, the solar flares are getting even more intense. Mm. We are at Stonehenge at this day. Again, you can see that the light coming in, it is different. Last night, we were in our shuttlecraft over Norway. Huge solar flares were seen by all. Some of these solar flares were class two flares, meaning they could cause radio blackouts and huge aurora borealises. As we approach 11.11, stay in our high hearts because it's going to get even more intense and hot in the kitchen. And you can see this playing out right now with the dramas. You can, yeah. you can yeah. see that the light coming in is different. Uh, the dark side is pushing and the solar flares are also raising the energies up. All around the galaxy, we are in the spotlight. Ascension is happening, and the dark side is powerless to stop it. We have won. Continue to look up. We are here. Call on us, as Lord Michael has said. Expect magic and miracles with this 11-11 gateway. Satnam Namaste, place the violet fire. And I listened to part of Patty today and Anrita Melchizedek and Aeolia. It was awesome. We'll play it on Saturday. It's two hours and 26 minutes long. And this is yesterday. Um, I received a call from the poppy lady at 11.45 this morning. She was on the ground in northern Afghanistan, near the Iranian border. She said to me, myself, Fingdel, Noor, and some crew members of the shuttlecraft are here. So tell everybody who Fingdel Noor is. Fingdel Noor is one of the Sasquatch people from that area of the planet and her crew. In Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. And they've been working with the Poppy Lady for a few years now, helping refugees and picking them up, taking them into their shuttlecraft and placing them on bio beds and healing them, just like Mr. Cash's technology, the egg. And these folks are from Andromeda. Uh, they have basically been called in here to service by Lord Michael, Lord Maitreya, Metatron, and Mother. And the Andromedans are just exactly opposite our Milky Way galaxy, the Andromedan galaxy. And it's like hundreds of millions of times larger than the Milky Way galaxy. And that's, they are completely at our service. So call on them. Um, and um, just we, another side note is that Barack Obama's an Andromedan. Yes. He's from Andromeda. Uh, it's another interesting story. Okay. 
We are here helping the Afghan civilians to board the shuttlecraft and be taken to an undisclosed location in Iran where they and their families get safe shelter, healthy food, clean water, medicine as needed. The situation in Afghanistan is horrendous because of the CIA's control of the Taliban. Compliments of the U.S. deep state. Please put all of these situations in the circle of support. The poppy lady continued. I can tell you, Lord Brahma, as I saw the new moon rising the other night, I could also see all the semi-cloaked starships of all the angels and the masters that are here in our midst. Even though it looks as painful and dark as it is, we have indeed already won. The captain is here. Inshallah, Satnam, Namaste. And this is today. I received a text message from Abby Martin just after noon today. She said to me, Lord Rama, Ms. AOC has set herself apart from the Democratic leadership, agreeing with me that carbon emissions from the U.S. military should be included in the Build Back Better plan. Then I received a text message from Mr. Axe at 12.20 this afternoon. He said to me, Lord Rama, Ms. AOC is standing in her power. She could very well be the next speaker of the house. Blaze the violent fire. Satnam Namaste. I pass the talking stick back to you, Caroline. Thank you so much, Ramantara. That is really fascinating. I'm just, um, you know, I'm hoping that that particular house is post Nasara. <laughs> I'm hoping that we don't have to continue on this this line we're on very no. much longer. But uh, you know what I mean. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. Did have any of your contacts say anything about how they're giving the jab to children age five to eleven? Is there any added protection given to those children? What I can tell you is, in spite of the horrendous things they are doing to the people and the children, we are so overlighted with the angels and masters and beings of light here. I am. Amazed every day that we still are alive and being in joy, even though it sometimes feels like mortar. I gotta say, yeah, I have my moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all do. I think we all do. It's. Um... I saw those uh, videos or pictures you sent to me of the. Uh, life forms in the vials and I gotta say that in some ways they remind me of some of the similar things in the um, early episodes of Next Generation Star Trek they remind me of the Borg nanites that were placed into the abducted humans that the Borg assimilated into the collective. And it's like, 
uncanny these things that they're playing with yet you know the light of the most radiant one the office of the christ the violet fire i don't think these beings can withstand that energy much longer and i passed the talking stick well you know you you were talking about the solar flares and i'm wondering um because the sun is a sentient being does the sun hold intent for the earth? Because that's what I'm feeling. Um, and so those solar flares could be working on our behalf in that case and helping to disarm the, the negative technology, the higher technology that's being used against us. And also the, the dark grid, the dark energy grid. I would say affirmative. And Patty and many other folks in the messages that they give, they say that the solar flares, there's coded messages in the, in the solar flares and in the sunlight coming in. You just got to sit really still and listen and you'll see it, you'll hear it. And the only way I visibly know how to describe it in the physical here is the different platonic solids that Matthias talks about, the sacred geometry that make up our physical matter. That's the only way I can describe it. <clears throat> I also see when, when you ask about the children, Caroline, I think the fairies are working overtime with the kids and the kids are sensitive to that. Yeah, and... I mean, they are incredibly resilient, the rainbow crystal children. And many of them, I would say, even though they are getting the jab, somehow the light coming in is overriding that programming. Yeah. Well, I've I've been feeling like there, there are special angelics assisting children as well. And yeah. um, so that their system doesn't integrate the nanoparticles and isn't troubled by these these little creatures, these six-legged creatures that are swimming in that serum um, and that are sentient, apparently. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very intense. It's very intense. I, I have so many friends and family members. Talk about Hollywood. I mean, yeah. Halloween movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it's is. real. It is. It's it is a a, a, horror, a nightmarish film, but it's in front of us. And what's interesting, in a sense, is that you know, we're we're in a hologram. And I I've been thinking about this a lot. This this whole everything in physicality is is part of the hologram, and yes. it's about experience. And um, the more we realize that, and integrate what's happening as something that yes is horrible and yet something that we signed up for that uh we knew somehow we could we could get through now i'm not to say i'm not saying that the soul doesn't get imprinted with trauma or that there's never any fracturing of the psyche or the spirit because that can happen but with all this light coming in i'm holding up the possibility that even that can be healed and that we can create more healing stations you know like the antares uh way station i feel is uh, craig writes about it in his book and i feel it's it's really a place of healing and i think he describes it that, that as well 
Um, and it's the where Tara was point out, you know, the souls will go there to get reintegrated in galactic law. But I I feel it's also um, a place of healing for all the trauma that we experience in an earth life and never more so than now. Um, you know, it's uh, World War II is localized. This is global. And um, just because they've got a fancy propaganda machine working for them that says, oh, we're doing this for your, your own good, <laughs> just doesn't mean it's not, it's not blatantly evil. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's a... Remember. Say it's, rem- a, it's sort of a paradigm um, trap in a way. If we get stuck in the old ways of thinking... We really are, will be lost. We have no choice but to shift over into higher vibrational form of, of thought, feeling. And yes, to be present, as Tara was saying, be in the present moment. Be completely in the present moment. And this is why the sun and the earth energies are helping us in every single way they can. And all the other beings of light. If people could really see and feel what's around them, they're being helped. 24-7. I pass the talking sink back yeah. to you because I think our guest is here. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I I agree. 24-7. Absolutely. <laughs> it never lets up. And we're all doing a lot in our sleep state as well to heal ourselves and our world and um, working very hard etherically. So wonderful. So, all right. Um, you know, our guest this evening is just the most amazing uh, young man. And uh, we've had him on the show before and I'm thrilled that he's coming back now. And his name is uh, Craig Campobasso. And I'm ju- I'll just run through his bio because there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, we won't maybe hit on every point, but he's a multiple award-winning filmmaker and Emmy nominated casting director. And Craig Campobasso was 15 when he started in the entertainment business as a young television actor. And then after high school, he went to work behind the scenes on blockbuster film classics, such as Frank Herbert's Dune, which I clearly remember seeing in 1984, directed by David Lynch, and two Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Conan the Destroyer and Total Recall. And Craig began his casting career on... Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories and received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Casting for a series on David E. Kelly's Picket Fences. Craig's casting career spans three decades. His mother, Marie Donna King Campobasso, told him from the time she was pregnant with him, she knew he'd become a writer. And he fulfilled that prophecy when he was 26, after he experienced a life-changing spiritual awakening. So that's when the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book book series was born. Craig's passion is to write stories that provoke the reader to think, to raise their consciousness, to expand their mind about creation while still entertaining in the Hollywood tradition. Craig directed, wrote and produced the short film Stranger at the Pentagon, adapted from the popular UFO book authored by the Lake Dr. Frankie Stranges. After production, the short film collected accolades. September 2014, it won Best Sci-Fi Film at the Burbank International Film Festival. In 2015, it won a Remy Award at the World Fest Houston International Film Festival for Best Sci-Fi Short. Uh, 
Craig has appeared on many radio shows, including Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. He's been a guest on Open Minds with Regina Meredith and Beyond Belief, hosted by George Norrie on Gaia.com. And he's also been on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. So his latest best-selling book, which we'll be talking about tonight, is The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, The Ultimate Guide to Greys, Reptilians, Hybrids, and Nordics. And that was released in January this year. He's got some exciting information about uh, a new project concerning that book. So, Craig, welcome. Really great to have you back. I'm so happy to be back. How is everybody? <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're kind of maintaining. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> I oh my know. Gosh. I know. I was out to uh, lunch with my cousin and aunt and uncle today, and I think I ate a little too much. <laughs> so anyway, oh. um, I'm, I've been pumping my energy back up. So, um, <laughs> yes, well, Veterans Day, my, my cousin is a veteran. So, uh, you know, we went to lunch with him to uh, honor him today, which, uh, which was great. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, um, you know, we want to talk about this book and explain to everyone about this uh, new project you've got going. But if, let's just talk about the book first. Um, sure. You know, because it's such an amazing, amazing piece of work. Again, it's called the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac. And it has all of these different life forms in it, including not just these absolutely beautiful illustrations, but you've got a few actual photographs, which yes. are just amazing. Um, there's a famous yes. one of Valiant Thor, and you right. knew Dr. Frank Strangers, who knew Valiant Thor. It's been yes, I, I did. Uh, yeah. Um, was it 1957? And he, he came in and talked to President Eisenhower and um, he was offering uh, wonderful help to the planet, which was turned down, which is um, really so I think that's happened. I think you mentioned several times in the book that ETs have offered help. Look, we've got healing technology and we've got this and this and this to help you. And it was just sort of, you know, the the Pentagon chiefs were saying, no, we just want the technology for for the war machine. Uh, Or no, if we heal everybody, you know, it'll put big pharma and doctors and nurses out of work, which is ridiculous. They don't care about that. They just care about keeping the the, the species muted. But um, yeah, you know, you've just got this colorful background. And I'm wondering, you've got 82 ra- races. Would that, was that number uh-huh. intentional? Well, that number I came up with, the uh, publisher, uh, which is Red Wheel Weiser Books under their MUFON book imprint, uh, wanted the book to come under 300 pages. And um, so I, I compiled um, over 100 different races that I have investigated over the years. When I, when I was 26 and I, I did have my uh, big spiritual awakening, I I really sort of did a deep dumpster dive into 
a lot of the contact cases all over the world and um, and compiled those and they have gone on investigations uh, with um, some MUFON investigators and also other ufologists over all the years, um, have met many abductees, contactees, uh, hybrids, um, you name it. So uh, when, when I came up, I said, um, I wonder how many races I could actually fit into the book. And, uh, and I had just heard, uh, one of the latest, um, uh, Paul Hellyer, uh, who's a former Canadian Minister of Defense in Canada, uh, in one of his latest speeches before he passed, he said that he knew of 82 races that were visiting Earth. So I thought, well, why don't I honor him? And if I can actually fit the 82 in, then I will. I did. I had to do some adjusting at the end of the book of other stuff that I had for inclusion. Uh, and I just had to remove that to to put these in there and to do that. So so a lot, uh, the majority of the actual races that you were seeing in the book are from real contactee cases where the contactees were meeting face-to-face with the extraterrestrials. And um, they came from a book. So I either contacted the publishers of the books or the actual contactees um obtain permission to do a thumbnail review of what their their contact was uh who the races are who they are what they want what are they doing here and um uh and so if somebody is looking at like the Clermer race or the Clarion race or the Pleiadian race they can go to the back of the book and under further reading it will tell them the source material of that contactee book um, for them if they want to go and do further research on it. They can go in and do. Uh, they can go in and purchase those books, and I put websites down in most cases because a lot of these uh, books, especially the Wendell Stevens books, you know, he did sixty-five books on contactee cases throughout his lifetime, Colonel Wendell Stevens. So so, um, so uh, in these really elusive books, I was able to find where people can go and purchase it, even if it's just a PDF, because these bo- a lot of these books are just out of print, and, you, and, and if you go and search it on the Internet, you know, somebody's selling it for a 1000 bucks. So, uh, and, uh, Lord knows none of us want to pay that for a book. And, um, (laughs) so that is how it, uh, that is how the book, um, came about. Um, interestingly enough, it was, uh, my agent's idea for the book and he said he knew he could sell it. So, and he knew that I was the right man to write it because of my previous uh, book series, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga about the universe 
and and uh, in conjunction with Earth and raising Earth up into the vibration of the other fully conscious planets and et cetera, and all of the backstory of all of my um, investigation work throughout the years. I don't consider myself a ufologist. I, I am a very, I would say I'm an amateur researcher, but I have access to all of the uh, MUFON um, uh, state directors and and uh, everything who, whenever, if I need uh, answers question about certain things, I can always go straight to them. So, um, and, you know, it's interesting, a lot of stories as well, um, a lot of people don't know because um, uh, nobody's ever done a deep dumpster dive, but a lot of the investigators know but it's not really out there uh, for public consumption. So, so this is a you know it's it's a nice um, introduction to a lot of the races. And in the back of the book, I put uh, all of the uh, fully conscious races. They all share their technology, and so I put in the back of the book all of uh, how. Um, about all their motherships and starships and and saucers and various other ships and plasma ships and jump ships and everything of that nature is in the back of the book, so it wouldn't become redundant in the uh, in a lot of the fully conscious races explanations. So I, I always suggest that people to go to the back of the book and read everything there first before you start the book. And um and to uh uh also read the little introduction that I did and that uh the little um dedication that I did to my biological father, who I found when I was writing this book, and um, and I, he had passed away in 2006. So I did uh, find his brother and uh, his family, uh, who I had lunch with today, by the way, and and. Um, and what I found out was is that my biological father uh, was in the Air Force and he was a part of Project Blue Book. How do you like those apples? Right? Yeah, so, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel accidental that that happened and, no. and that you were <laughs> interested no. in all of this. No. So, and yeah. I mean, it. it I, I literally, my jaw dropped when he told me that. That was like the farthest thing from my mind that I knew that he was in the Air Force. My mother had told me that, um, but I would I I didn't know. I would never have thunk that. Um, now we believe, and we do not know for sure exactly what he did. Uh, because he would never talk about it. Even my my uncle's two uh, two of his sons are very much into UFOs, and they both uh, grilled him to see if they could get any information out of him. 
and uh, and they were very unsuccessful at that. And I said, well, he was really good at keeping secrets because I was a secret, and you guys didn't know about me. And they're like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, you know, you I. I was just going to quickly say, you mentioned the honorary Paul Hellyer. He was a guest on our show uh, a month or two before he passed. Um, oh. friend, one of our panelists here, Micah, is a, a Canadian, and he brought him on, which I didn't think he'd be successful to bring in a luminary like that, but I, we were thrilled to oh have my God. here. And also, also had Katie Grabowski of Colorado move on, and that was fascinating because she knows yes. Leo. Professor Leo Sprinkle, as an old friend, and um, wrote a whole book full of the amazing. It was it's a comp- compilation, letters of love and light. It's a compilation of all these different objectee and and contactee experiences that people sent in to Doctor Sprinkle over the years. And, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a wealth of information if you're willing to find it. And it's much closer to the surface now than it was, say, when you and I were kids, you know? That's right. You're, you were absolutely right. And, and it really is readily available out there on the Internet if you keep digging and digging and digging and finding it. So um, so that was, for me, a nice surprise. But what was also interesting is when... He decided to leave the Air Force. My uncle told me he was, uh, oh man, he got five, five, five bands. I forget what they call that. He was a, a major sergeant or something like that. And he didn't want to continue a military career. So he came home and what did he end up doing? He ends up becoming the head of construction at Warner brothers building sets for movies and TV. And I'm like, my God, it's just in the DNA. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so those were some wonderful, um, exciting surprises for me, but, but what I love about this is being able to share a lot of these things, because a lot of these cases are like long gone and people would never really find them unless they did a deep dumpster dive, you know, to really get in there and learn about some of these races that uh, had come to Earth uh, over the years and some that are still visiting the Earth and some that come back and forth um, uh, from, you know, in different time periods and things of that nature. So, uh, it was uh, very exciting for me, and to learn about uh, some of you know some of the races I didn't know. And of course, you know my my favorites are the Octurians, Pleiadians, the Clarions, the Syrians, um, that type of thing. And learning about some of these extremely advanced Syrians, um, you know that some are in their own race, uh, that now they, uh, there's a particular race called the Solzars where they have, they have taken the, uh, best DNA chains throughout the universe, 33 of them. And that's what their genetic makeup is. 
and then their next upgrade will be to 44 at some time in the future. It's sort of also like uh, the Sasani, um, you know, with uh, Daryl Anka. Have you guys ever had Daryl Anka on, uh, who's Bashar, you know, channels Bashar? No, we have not, but that's an idea. That is oh, you should. No, I will. <laughs> I will make an introduction. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, he's he's wonderful. I, I cast uh, his film Bashar First Contact, and then we made oh. a cute a cute little movie uh, called Alienated, which just got released on Amazon Prime. You know, very small budget thing, but. But for instance, the Sasani beings, they, they're 500 years in the future. Bashar is Daryl's future self who channels uh, to him here teaching us about uh, them. So they're, they're, uh, they're a succession of seven different hybrids that started off for instance, uh, as small greys, which were known as the Maze. Now, I don't think they're the small evil greys that people are used to. Uh, then there were taller greys known as the uh, Mazani. Then the Sasani beings are sort of half human, half grey. Uh, the Shaleo beings are more human looking. Then the Yaya L beings are more human like. And then hybrid six is Earth uh, is uh, basically becoming the sex hybrid race. Uh, they're, they're back to being uh, human. And then hybrid seven, which I don't believe has taken place, is the blending of all six hybrid races in a thousand years, which is called Amuhet. So there's, um, you know, so that's interesting. I don't know if anybody is, uh, I, I believe I believe his website is Bashar.org for those of you who want to explore it. So, so there's all these, you know, just very interesting um, uh, species uh, that are in there, and uh, some some unique, obscure species. Um, uh, Maurizio Cavallo, who is having face to face contact with. Clarion beings. Um, I, I first became aware of a Clarion being through Elizabeth Clare. Uh, do, you, do you remember her work at all? She was South African and she was having contact with the Clarions. No, and I don't. Was, I'm not familiar with her work. No. Oh, you would love it. She she's passed <laughs> away, and and there's lots of wonderful interviews with her. Um, she re- she was very regal. Uh, Elizabeth Clarer, K L A R E R. There was a book done about her, but I especially loved watching uh, her talk. Um, and she was primarily a starseed here from Clarion, and her husband from back there. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but. He came here and rekindled and helped her uh, through the waking process. Um, they they again developed a, a loving relationship. She became pregnant, um, and he took her back to Clarion. 
where she stayed during her pregnancy, and the baby had to be born there because of its organs. Wow. Uh, would not survive on Earth. So the baby uh, was a boy, was uh, brought there, given to him. She came back here. She lived out the rest of her life, and I assume she went back to Clarion um, after that. So I have always sort of had this affinity for Clarions, and um, and they do seem to keep picking various different um, contactees. And what I have found in all of my research, a con- anyone who is pretty much a contactee, they're a starseed from that race that has come here, and and they contact them because part of their mission is to activate who who the race is on the planet for people to get to know that. So the Alpha Centaurians have done that through many many contactees over the years that I've heard of, especially uh, well. Primarily, all of the contactees are all in South America. Um, all the beings there, of course, are very heart-based, and um, they really help in the extreme uh, poor communities. Um, they know that uh, that they come from time to time if somebody is sick, and that they will come and heal them. They'll help to water their crops. Uh, They'll they'll help them with all kinds of things because they just don't have access to um, uh, healthcare or things of that nature. So they call them the Apunians because they appeared on their mountain of Apu, uh, but they're really Alpha Centaurians. Um, and uh, one of the uh, well, one of the main um, contactees now is a wonderful man named Ricardo Gonzalez. He has several books out about them. Um, and there are others all in this circle uh, that have all met the lead Alpha Centaurian named Antaral. And he is a very, I think he's eight feet tall. Um, now, this is directly from one of my best friends who went with Ricardo Gonzalez. Um, I can't remember the year, but it was within the last five years to Sand Flats in Mount Shasta, where they took a group of a hundred people. And it's a very wide open field, and then there's forests all around, and you can see uh, the beautiful. Mount of Mount Shasta in the background. So, um, and it's a very secluded place because you have to know how to sort of get back there with your car. Um, it's tricky. Um, I would never have known it unless I was with people that I knew. So, um, so they all were there and they all, uh, you know, had a beautiful day. And as it started to become dusk, they had um uh they all meditated and they meditated on uh bringing forth the uh, alpha centaurians and uh then they they did some um chanting to raise the vibration as well and then uh two craft came right over the forest now it's evening and they could see the craft with the light 
uh, right, you know, just above the treetops. And then all of a sudden, uh, the fourth floor lit up. And my friend said it was like a magical setting of just this beautiful uh, illumination of white and blue that lit up the forest. And there were, I, there was less than 10 people that Entourall had picked to come into the forest and meet him. Uh, my friend was not one of those. Everyone went back to base camp, but my friend stayed in the, uh, in sand flats in the field and watched everything from afar. And they, uh, they went into the forest and, uh, they appear through what, what we would call a Zendra, which is a portal. They're really standing in the portal. It's not a projection. And if you were to, if they were on their ship and you were to step into the portal, you would actually be on their ship. Or if they were on their home planet uh, and directing the portal or the Zendra, you would be walking onto their home planet. But they don't allow anyone to walk on. Although I have heard that there were a few times in other situations where they did. So these people that got this experience were sort, you know, they were in a state of um, uh, bliss and shock and couldn't believe what they saw because not only did they see an eight foot tall Alpha Centaurian, they saw other beings as well. Um, that were standing uh, there inside uh, the Zendra. So, so there's all of these stories that are really out there, and it's it's just finding them so that uh, people can sort of just start waking up to it and learning about these races. That's why they're coming here is to share the information of who they are, and um, and I think that it's. Uh, at a certain point, everyone's going to really want to know exactly who they are and what we're dealing with, because we all know that the veil is becoming very thin and that all of this is going to uh, be very evident sometime in the future. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's beautiful to hear about these experiences because if you've got any kind of ability to see things in the mind's eye, you realize, well, it's, it's sort of like I've already been there. And I think a lot of us travel in our dream state and we connect with yeah. these beings, you know, on the ships, um, yeah. in different parts of the universe, in inner earth, in our homes. It's, it's really astounding. I've had interesting experiences, particularly when I lived in Sedona. I was like a, a cosmic wide open door a cosmic highway basically i felt like i lived on and um it it's just um it really is time for us to admit yes these beings are real and they have been a part of our life not future not just now but for millions of years and we come from them you know um, i noticed you know craig in the intro and i want to just say to our viewers if you're just joining us uh we're speaking with author and filmmaker Craig Campobasso. He is speaking about his wonderful book, The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, and um, his 
amazing connection to uh, contactees from around the around the, the earth. It sounds like um, yes, around the world for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In the intro, you mentioned a parallel Earth, three hundred years in the future. Can you talk about about that? Did you meet Earth beings? Or well, I mean, that was that was that is. Bashar. That is Bashar. Bashar. That is, All right, yeah. I see. So, I didn't realize yeah, but, that that's who Daryl yeah. Anker was uh, until I read it in your yeah. book. I was like, oh my golly, yeah. Yes, okay. uh, and is, uh, there, uh, Bashar is 500 years in the future, but um, as Daryl explains it, how Bashar explains it, is that even though he's in a He's 500 years in the future, and I'm not sure if it's on the same Earth or a parallel Earth. I can't remember. Um, But that really everything is just a thought away. So there's no, uh, all Bashar has to do is just make the connection to Daryl's mind, and it's instantaneous, uh, you know, where he where he comes through. So, you know, when he comes through with uh, information and um, everything for the planet. So he does lots of uh, channeling sessions um, uh, in person and uh, online. So I I would definitely uh, tell everybody to do that. And, and, you know, his, uh, the, the movie that I cast for him, uh, Bashar first contact. That is him. That is his story of how they b- began coming to him and how they woke him up and who his channeling teacher was, who I met as well, and uh, learned all about that. So it was very, uh, you know, it's a very exciting story. And uh, and Daryl and his wife Erica are just the most lovely people. So. Um, I will definitely set you up. We got to get them on your show. Oh, that is so great! Thank you so much, Craig. That yes. was fascinating. He does really, really lovely work. Absolutely. Um, Where can yeah. we watch the the movie? Amazon. Um, you know, I I think if you go to Bashar dot org, and I bet you it's on Amazon Prime um, because Alienated's on Amazon Prime. So. I'm sure it's on all of the streamers, and uh, but if you hit Bashar.org, I'm sure it will tell you where to watch it, or you might be able to watch it there, or they'll direct you to uh, a place to watch it. I, I'd also like to say that I did have a chance to look at one of Wendell Stevens' books. Matter of fact, and lady I know has them all. They are the yes. biggest books I've ever seen with the best yes. pictures and these yes. were hand these were all signed and she will not let them out of her sight. You can come to her house, you can look at them, and you have to wear gloves to turn the pages because she says wow. these are prime. There are no more like it. And it there are no more. There are exactly. no more like it. It is um you know it is uh I, I, well, they were cost of fortune online. There is a place though in Ashland, um, Ashland, Oregon. It's the um, 
rogue, rogue, R-O-G-U-E, metaphysical library. Um, and I know that the website is initials. Um, it's run by a wonderful man by the name of Jordan Pease. And it has every UFO book. It has every conference ever taped. It has everything there. And so if people are looking or trying to find some obscure book, you can contact them um, and see about their long-distance uh, lending program. Or you can watch things like things that I've really tried to find and couldn't find. I I would go there and Jordan buys up uh uh UFO collections uh when they become available, you know, when people pass away and that kind of thing. Besides the giant metaphysical library, he built a whole nother gigantic house on his property as a <laughs> as a storage unit for the zillions of books and i've been there and i'm like oh my god this is like heaven being <laughs> you know i like he's so like great. well look yeah you know he, and he was so great he was like if if there's doubles of anything take one <laughs> so, oh. so i i came away with some really nice things and uh you know, it's great to see all the the zillions of UFO photos that come along with these collections from all over the world, and and I mean, it's uh, you know, and some of them are uh, they're smaller craft, but they're literally uh, hovering six feet off the ground, and somebody snapped it. So, I mean, I snapped a. Uh, an, a metallic orb that I saw traveling between Bell Rock and Courthouse Butte, and oh. I was driving, and I saw the I saw it traveling, and I Instagram. grabbed uh, my phone and I got a couple pictures off, and I actually caught it on camera. Um, so I mean, there's it, it, things are everywhere. All I say is, you know, you just got to look to the sky. That's the truth. And, and you know, I say this a lot, that most people don't look up very often. <laughs> right. They don't. they don't. So absorbed in where we're going and what we're doing and what we're thinking about. And there's a, a comic that I put in one of my channelings on my, on my old website one time um, of this um, little flying saucer uh, up above. It's just a cartoon up above a outdoor seating of a cafe. And the cafe is chock full of people and these funny little ETs with antlers or, or you know, uh, antennae mm-hmm. are looking, looking out the window, looking at people. They're just right overhead and nobody sees them because they're all staring at their phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no. that's oh just- my God, that's great. That is so let me, great. Let me ask Craig quickly um, before we we want to talk about this exciting new project that you've got going, but um, yes. you uh, were in the Carolinas investigating a contactee case, and I guess we're yes. out in the woods somewhere and snapped a photo of an ET. How did you know it wasn't just a person? Were, could you see the features? Uh, were they too tall? Well, yes. It well it, the. Um, 
Uh, I flew out there uh, with a friend of mine because it was our friend who was this uh, abductee, and it's a very uh, big case. Uh, it's a Christopher Bledsoe case, uh, if you're familiar with it. So he was on the Cape Fear River uh, fishing with his son and with uh, some other friends, and um, they started seeing these balls of light on the other side of the river coming in and then um then all of a sudden uh chris pretty much vanished and he was taken on board a craft he was gone uh i think it was maybe dusk or late afternoon and when he was put back it was late later on in the evening and he found his son cowering in some bushes, and his son told him that there was a little being. There were several sizes of these beings, and a little being had him cornered, just uh, sitting in front of him, staring at him while he was petrified there. Um, and uh, anyway, so when Chris returned, he got his son. They jumped in the truck and they hightailed it home, which was maybe uh, less than ten minutes away. And um, so they they drove into uh, the backyard and they would always enter through the back of the house. The rest of his family uh, was not home, and his backyard is forest. So when they they uh, jump out of the truck as they're running to get in the house uh the creature the the ETs are walking out of the forest towards the house yeah and they got in the house and um uh his son whose name is Chris as well the son was showing me the house is elevated so if you look out his bedroom window um you would look down and you would see a person you if somebody was standing there you would see them standing there but they really couldn't reach the window unless they were like 8 feet tall right so mm-hmm. he was like you know that thing it was like right there and it was staring at me and we were shutting all the windows and and the things and locking up etc so um so chris uh, took me down to the Cape Fear River, showed me everything where it was. And then um, he said, you know, we've abandoned that house. Um, uh, more than half of our belongings are still in that house. Uh, we moved out right away. And um, yeah, and he said, so um, would you like me to take you there and show you? And I said, sure. So it's it's kind of getting to be dusk, and it's, uh, you know, so he's taking us through the backyard where the forest is. Now, I can hear things scurrying in the forest. I can't see them or anything of that nature. So um, uh, my friend who was with us, Lori, She's videotaping everything as Chris is talking and explaining exactly how everything happened. And I'm, I have a Minolta camera, 
And I just keep snapping what picture after picture after picture after picture. And so um, the next morning when I uh, woke up in bed in the hotel, I started running through the pictures and I, and I get to this one and I'm like, Oh my God. And it is the, it is the dark silhouette of, of, of a being. Its legs are, its legs end where our knees begin, right? Little short legs with these long, long, thick torsos, uh, two arms, a thin neck, and a, a round, uh, elongated sort of oval head. And it was holding uh, a round light device. And the minute I saw that, I went, that is an interdimensional device. <laughs> and so I lightened the photo. And it, and it brought up more of the features of its face, and it was wearing goggles. And I went, oh, my God, those are interdimensional goggles like we use night vision binoculars, right? It was like I connected into it immediately, and that's how they see interdimensionally. And Chris even said, because Chris has caught lots of them on camera and all kinds of things, uh, even on the new property where he lives. But there it's more um, angelic and uh, spheres and spheres of light and all kinds of things. Um, and Chris said that that being wanted you to take its picture, right? Wow. So. I didn't feel anything um, bad or anything coming off the picture because I, you know, when I look at something, I can, I can feel its energy, and I didn't feel anything like that, um, although it does, did look um, very different than anything we've seen. So I, I put that, uh, those photos in the back of the book, uh, called them... Uh, called it the unknown alien. Um, but the interesting thing is the photograph right after the photograph of this alien were giant long streamers falling from the sky all the way down, filling the entire picture of plasma. Mm -hmm. And Chris, said on that property every time he photographed one the next photo would be all plasma hmm. so um, it, it is just you know it's just fascinating it helps also to validate his story um, but he has yeah. so much compelling evidence and he's you know uh, his story's been out there um, for quite some time I mean he's just a, you know he's a He's a regular guy from the Midwest that this happened to happen to. Yeah. So, um, and he sounds is, like there's I a mean, Stargate there. Uh, you know, there absolutely could be. And I mean, he is one of the most genuine, loving individuals that I've ever met. And, yeah. um, you know, so, 
Uh, if you've never had him on the show, you should have Chris on your show. What? What? So, can you tell us his last name? Uh, Christopher Bledsoe, B L E D S O E. You can look at you can look him up online oh, and okay, uh, okay check. Yeah, yeah, he's well, great. We want to talk about this um, this project of yours uh, and how people can be involved in it, Craig. But um, sure. Wait, I, I also just really briefly want to ask you, you worked on Dune, on the first yes. Dune in 1984, David Lynch's film. I just recently, this past weekend, saw the new one and yeah. thought it was quite an amazing piece of work. I read the book, let's just say, a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Years. Um, what did you make of this new one? Well, I worked on the original Dune. I was just out of high school, so I worked on it for four years, the original. Um, I was a production office assistant, and I learned all about filmmaking and everything while, while working on Dune. While we also worked on Dune, the same producers, we made Conan the Destroyer at the same time and filmed both movies at the same time. Oh, wow. So I, I was working on both of those. And um, I knew back then all of the troubles that they were having in trying to execute it to get it to the screen. And a lot of it had to do with the visual effects. Originally, they had John Dykstra... Um, who had done Star Wars, but yeah. uh, him and uh, our producer uh, didn't see eye to eye for some reason, and he left the project. And um, and then they brought in another company, and uh, you know, basically what they were doing was cutting corners um, in in a lot of. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of models were like carved pieces of wood sprayed gold and, you know, and that's yeah. what you saw in the movie. Yeah. So, um, or instead of a, a real backdrop, they used uh, one of Ron Miller, who was a beautiful um, airbrush artist who brought all of the scenes to life. They would use one of those because it just got to be so darn expensive, Right. So, um, so I know, and they really couldn't do the blue within blue, uh, eyes, but, but they figured it out eventually. Um, now I'm getting feedback for some reason. I'm hearing myself talk. All right. I think it's better now. So, um, no, I'm hearing myself talk. Do we know what that is? I'm not hearing any echo whatsoever. So just carry on. Okay. I'll just carry on. So uh, I was very excited. Yes. Do you remember the name of the, was this the first Conan with the first uh, movie with Alderman Schwarzenegger in it? No, the first one was called Conan the Barbarian and the the, the next one was Conan the Destroyer. Ah, okay, because I know the people that produced the first one, personal friends of mine. So, oh, you didn't cross paths with them, and that's fine. Thank you. Well, well, the uh, producers were the same. They were Raffaella De Laurentiis, Buzz Feichens, and Dino yeah. De Laurentiis. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I so, saw Lynch and, and Rafaela de Laurentiis being interviewed at the National Theatre in London in 84, which was good fun. Um, yeah, that you know, it just looked like this monumental production and they spent yeah. a fair amount of dough and it did take quite a while um, to get it all together. But this, this film... Four years. Before, yeah. <laughs> and and um, similar to, to Star Wars, took them four years um, because of the special effects. And well, this is just astounding, this Dune. It is, um, yes. And I, I knew it would be because they have the tools to make it. And Denny, uh, the director, I went to a screening at Warner Brothers uh, about a month before it was released where uh, Denny, the director, was there. And he uh, uh, he was very smart because I, I didn't know I thought it was going to be the whole movie, but he ends it with Paul and Jessica going and joining the Fremen. And I said, oh, my God, that is so perfect because that's where our Dune went wrong. All the Fremen stuff had to be cut because uh, Mm -hmm. they had to have the film at a certain, you know, couple of hours. So. So that was smart. There was a lot of other smarter things. Um, and I love the way he did everything, but I still love our version because it's brighter. It has more colors and the costumes were way better. Like our costumes, like you couldn't beat Bob Ringwood's costumes for Dune. Um, and, uh, you know, I love Kyle's performance and I love Timothy's performance. They're just two totally different things. So uh anyway it's uh i love i i love it and i can't wait the new one the the sequel will be released in uh october of 2023 um good gravy and yes and the they are going to be releasing i think on itunes or sometime online they did a documentary of Ardoon, um, which I'm a part of, and talking about the production and things that went on. Um, it was supposed to make it onto the DVD for the 4K, but it, it wasn't ready in time. So uh, the filmmaker told me it's going to be online and uh, soon, so I should actually find out from him when it, if it is online already. Um, so if people are really Dune fans, they can go back and listen to um, a lot of the behind-the-scenes filmmakers uh, who were a part of it, uh, you know, who worked on the production, to hear the side stories that nobody ever gets to hear. Yeah, so, yeah, new. it's great. Uh, you know, it for film great. buffs, that's always good fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really? love that stuff. I love it. So- I really do. Well, let's talk yeah. about this project now. You're, tell us about this documentary and what, what's the impetus behind it? Did someone encourage you or did you just feel an inner nudge to make this documentary? Well, interestingly enough, um, after making uh, Stranger at the Pentagon short film and working with documentarians, um, uh, some of the producers on it are documentarians on Stranger. And uh, even before my book was released, I was being approached by companies 
to make it into a documentary. And then I got thinking, well, why would I want them to make it into a documentary when I could make it into the documentary I want it to be? And so I uh, put everything in motion and um, uh, brought on three documentarian uh, producers and post-production personnel, uh, all people I've worked with before. And uh, I I wanted to do something different with the documentary. I didn't want the same, you know, the old normal players in every UFO doc that's out there. Is uh, so what I did is I recruited uh, some of the actual contactees, uh, hybrids, um, uh, people who are in official positions in the know about certain things, um, and. So we're we are going to uh we've already uh shot all the interviews and we're editing those now and um uh, I've already been slowly bringing the extraterrestrials to life through CGI right through computer generated images but now that I'm getting a little bit deeper into it and getting the quotes from uh you know the CGI companies it is way more expensive than I anticipated. Plus, it's very uh, time-consuming also to do. So I started a crowdfunding campaign um, for anyone that would love to help us with with uh, getting our CGI images. I did this when I did Stranger at the Pentagon, and of course, all the star, star seeds were wonderful and came to our rescue and helped us get the budget. So I, I'm, I need to raise $10,000 already on the uh, campaign. It's just been out a few short weeks. We have, I think 2,500 so far. And oh, you're um, doing great. you've got a, a yes. 25% of it so far. Yeah. Yes. If anybody wants to look into this, just Google Craig Cambabasso, um, go fund me. And you'll see it. Right. You'll find it. It's just it's ET right. Species right. Almanac, the documentary. It's basically the documentary of this wonderful book, which is so yes. fascinating. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be a whole different um, type of documentary. Is really sort of it's going to be an extension of the book, hearing from the real people about these experiences with with beings and that type of thing and getting to see imagery and uh, things come to life and all of that. So it'll sort of be like, a you know, the next generation of documentaries. So uh, if anyone would love to help us, we would welcome, you know, five bucks, anything. And, you know, if everybody donated five bucks, it'd get there quick. So, or yeah. whatever, whatever anybody can do if they're able to do it or to, you know, share it as much as possible on your uh, social media. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting. I, I'm really excited about doing it. So, um, so I'm writing and 
uh, producing and directing, and then we have our other three wonderful producers um, uh, who who have won all all won uh, multiple awards for their documentaries as well. Fantastic. You know, yeah. you have such amazing contacts and friends and um, filmmaking know-how, and it's it's going to be another winner. It's going to be another prize winner for you, I'm sure of that. And uh, Yes. Just, yeah. Yes. Really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then um, my, uh, my next MUFON book is going to come out next October. Um, oh. I don't have the title yet. We're still figuring it out. But, of course, it's ufo based and it's really really going to be cool so i'll call you guys when that's ready and uh yes, come definitely. back on the show yeah wonderful absolutely wonderful yes. i don't know if any of my co-hosts have a question um at all oh, uh, please. you know yeah i'm happy to open it up a bit um our friend rama who is one of our co-hosts has been on uh I don't know. Have you been on a number of ships, Rama, or just basically the same one? <laughs> over and over. Um, I, I have been on numbers of ships. Yeah. He's lived Craig, an unusual yeah. life. <laughs> Craig, Craig, can oh, we yeah. remember? Craig? Yes. This is Tara. Uh, you, you, rem- you remember us from when Marita Robert had you on our show. That's right. Of course. Tara, just that. Uh, yeah. Refresh your memory, Craig, and uh, wow, you don't have a dull life, do you? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, we just keep forging forward. And, you know, it's interesting because so many people are are so interested in the subject matter now. And, um, I mean, in the early days, people would look at me cross-eyed and... uh, that kind of thing, but now <laughs> everyone just has questions. <laughs> well, it's it's very helpful that the you know the X Files came out and then they rebooted just for just a few episodes, but um, yeah. that was helpful. And all the sci fi films are helpful, except they're not fiction; <laughs> they're real. Right. And all the different Star Trek spinoffs, etc., are very helpful. And then all this, you know, the Gaia dot com. Um, shows and the history channel yes. all of it is uh, wonderful and the popularity of places such as Sedona like where you you know got a shot of that ship between the two huge ro- uh, mm-hmm. rocks so um, how long did you live there just three and a half years um yeah and I moved here to the central coast um but that was enough that it's an intense place it's I found it very intense energetically um yeah. i would at night i would feel that, uh, without fail um i i didn't see it with my physical eyes i could see it inwardly uh, there was a reptilian who would just be standing like almost like standing guard in a sense mm-hmm. same place in my living room every night <laughs> if i came out to get a drink of water or whatever i could almost physically see him um sometimes wow. the, the door to my bedroom would just open in the middle of the night, or I'd wake up and it, it would be open when I remember closing it securely the night before. A friend of mine saw, she was staying in, in my room and I was sleeping out in the, um, in the living room and she was visiting and the door opened one time. She didn't open it. It just, <laughs> the bedroom door opened and she saw a light come in 
and it just kind of zipped around. And she's quite telepathic. It's our friend uh, Sherry Bausch, who was just on the on the show um, recently, and she's an energy worker. And she said, "Who are you? Or what do you want? Or whatever?" And they said something just, "Oh, we're just we're just on our way out here. You know, we're just passing through, kind of a thing." <laughs> and then they wow. out the window, and they were gone. You know, and I mean. Yeah. Sedona's full of stories like that. It just gets to be a bit much after a while. (laughs) Well, it does because the energies are so intense and it really does sort of, um, it brings that veil down. I mean, the Bradshaw Ranch, for instance, did you ever uh, traipse way out into the middle of nowhere where it is? Have you, did you hear about it when you lived there? Well, I think I've heard about it. I think I've heard about it, but um, no, I didn't go there. Yeah, it was an old, uh, you know, they did a lot of old movie studios and things there, and Bob Bradshaw uh, bought it, and um, in around 1981, he was looking out uh, the ranch window in the middle of the day, and a craft came and just landed, oh. and it freaked him out. Um, <laughs> his his wife um, started having and seeing experiences, so... She contacted uh, Tom Dongo, uh, who is uh, who has pretty much been there forever and has written many books about all the mysteries of Sedona. He's also a friend of mine, and uh, he's another person. I'm going to have you. Uh, you need to get him on your show. But uh, but just yeah. in a nutshell, the Bradshaw Ranch. There there was the ranch. Uh, which, you know, basically it was like a three-bedroom house and that kind of thing. And then there was an old homestead where people from the 20s came and built and homesteaded the land. So, um, you know, so there were stories where in the middle of the night, she would hear things. She would go outside, uh, Linda Bradshaw, the wife, and she would hear um, kissing, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, she'd go outside where she was, and there were reptilian footprints in yeah. the dirt. Yeah. And um, and uh, they had several occasions of greys walking right in front of their windows in the ranch in the middle of the night. Oh, nice. Um, just, you know, just so many stories. And when they would... Uh, videotape anything or if they look through the camera of their lens and took a picture the uh, next dimension is what would be photographed not what they were looking at so they caught a dinosaur in a in a picture they caught um, other things in pictures that were not part of their landscape wow yeah, amazing. I mean, just amazing stuff. So, um, but if you don't know where it is, it's it's a trace to get out there. So, yeah, there's yeah. a few locals that you know will take people out there, you know, to to around, you know, where you can walk the outer perimeter of the property. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
the ships really do come and go, and I don't I don't doubt it one speck of that story. <laughs> I oh, yeah. one day one day at Sedona, I heard this roar overhead, and it was a a fighter jet, you know, like as I don't know they call them F sixteen or something, and they never mm-hmm. went over. I, you knew the military were there, but I never heard a fighter jet go overhead. And I ran outside. It sounded like it was going to land on the roof. I ran outside and looked up, and he was zipping back and forth like he was. Uh, tracking something you and I couldn't yeah. see what he was tracking but back and forth but you know like a ping pong and then he just yeah. got out of sight and I thought okay that's not a maneuver he 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 was he was following somebody <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah I I've been going since the very first harmonic convergence and so all my various friends throughout the years wanted, you know, we did trips there because they wanted to go and experience it. And uh, once I, I took one of my friends and her and I got up at three in the morning and uh, we decided to, we were going to drive way in the back of Boynton Canyon where Secret Canyon is because that's where a lot of the crafts are. And we thought maybe we could see something that's before they built that big resort, you know, to the left when you're driving down there. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and of course it's a little spooky because when you're back in Boynton Canyon, there are no lights, it's pitch black and there's yeah. forest on the edge of the road. So you're, yeah. you're not quite sure what's going to jump out at you. And, um, and we, as we started getting back there, all of a sudden a blue beam went across the car and I slammed on the brakes. I heard inside my head, if you go any further, your life will be forever altered. Oh, I, she heard the same exact words. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, you know, that's all I needed to hear. Let's go back to the hotel. And I turned around because I was like, you know, if they're going to give you that kind of warning, then they mean it. Right. So, um, yeah, that that was a very uh, strange experience. But uh, yeah, yeah. Was that was that in Boynton Canyon, did you say? Yeah, so yeah. you know when you know you, the when black you go, the black ops hang out there too, you know. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard, yeah. and I heard isn't. I think there's a base back there, from what I've heard as well. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. And I'm glad you went back to the hotel. Very good thoughts. <laughs> Very good idea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, I know I know people who were brave back in those days who went out into the back of Boynton Canyon, where that base is, way in the back, if you hike back there. They hiked back there in the middle of the night and camped. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, I would never do that. And no. I Me met neither. A, yeah. I no. met a guy when I brought my mom there. We were just sort of hanging on one of the low plateaus on Bell Rock and, you know, uh, we had just had a nice meditation and we're just talking and it was, the setting was beautiful. It was sunset. And then a man uh, came up and and we were talking to him and he, he had a van and he said, yeah, he said, I, uh, I went and I spent the night in Boynton Canyon last night. And he saw uh, graves running around uh, 
back there. Um, and I, and I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, <laughs> no, he said, I literally saw them running around. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, I, I don't think I would feel safe in a van <laughs> even. I know some other people that had that experience, so that's not something that somebody made up, Commander. Right, right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know, I know. You have to be careful in in that area in Sedona because um, I've heard stories of people who, if you go off the beaten path, uh, and you keep exploring, you may well find a, a man in, well, what is basically fatigues, but all black. Fatigues. And, all black, yeah. yeah all black, black yeah. and no insignia, no name tag or anything with a semi-automatic telling you get back on the path or I shoot. Um, so I heard that story early on and I thought, I think I prefer not to go off the path. <laughs> At least not very right. far. Yeah. I would, right. but not at night and not very far. No, no. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, the normal hiking ranges if you if you go on Boynton Canyon. But you, you really can't get back there anymore because of the, uh, you know, they've got a guard gate there now for the, uh, uh, that whole uh, golf course and all the big giant homes they built back there. So you yeah. really can't get back into Secret Canyon unless you say you want to go see the memorial of the girl. I can't remember what her name is. You have to know the name, and they'll let you back, and you can go up to this memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't drive back where you used to be able to sort of park and look out into all of Secret Canyon. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, I just had a friend move there. And, uh, you know, I know I have lots of people that move in and out and move in and out. A lot of people say people move in and they usually, if they don't move out within three months, they they might stay for three years. (laughs) Because of the energy and and just looking at the red rocks all the time. I yeah. think uh, kind of gets to you. So, yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just, it's stunningly beautiful. It's just a complex place energetically. I just found it complex. Yes. And, and certainly yes. interesting experiences. Um, <laughs> but again, Craig, let's just give this info again. Um, do you want to give people your um, your website in, information? And is there a sure. link there to the GoFundMe? Yes. Yes, they can. Um, uh, the uh, if, they, if they want to see anything stranger at the Pentagon or get Dr. Frank's books, posters, whatever, or see the film at strangeratthepentagon.com. If they want to get uh, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga books, it's autobiography of an A-N-E-T dot com. Uh, you can also buy all four books with one click, either in hardcover or softcover. If people want, I, I sign them and autograph them. And if you want to get the ET Yamanak, you also go to autobiography of an ET.com and click on other books. And that's where, uh, it will be there. And the GoFundMe 
is I think if you just go to GoFundMe and type in Craig Campobasso or uh, the ET Almanac, or if you go to my Facebook page, Craig Campobasso, I have it there on my wall, the uh, link. I may have sent it to you as well. Um, so I don't know yes. if you have a way to post it. Uh, it is for on everyone. our show's page, your bio, and all of the information you sent us, it's it's on our show's page. You're our okay, featured. so, <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think I put the GoFundMe link in there as well. Yes, indeed. And like I yeah. say, if anybody does a search for Craig Campobasso, uh, camp, like when you go camping, O, and then Basso, like base, and then O, Um Craig Campobasso and then go find me and it will come up immediately. You'll see the link. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Craig. Really wonderful to have you back. And what a, uh, an exciting project this is, you know, you're always reaching out to go a step further and give us more artistically. And I think spiritually as well. This is, this is our cosmos. This is our universe. Um, nobody's going to keep us from getting to know it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. This era we live in, and you're a, a wonderful help, a wonderful guide that way. So huge thanks. Oh, and um, thank you. Yeah, I thank hope you guys back. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, and now you've got three new guests for the future. I'll I'll send you all their info. <laughs> Thank and you then so you got to come back again too, Craig. Yeah. I will come yeah. back anytime you guys want me to. You just ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Happy to. <laughs> and you, you were so kind to come this week because originally I told Greg next week, and then I, but I got the dates mixed up. And he was so yes. kind to jump on, and I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, I was. Great. I was so happy that my my uh, my family gathering was lunchtime and not dinner time. So yes, that worked my out. My cousin had, <laughs> had flown in from afar. So it was one of those things that I couldn't get out of, but it all worked out. So I'm very happy. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you. Have a beautiful night. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. Good night. Yeah. Thank you to our co-hosts and um, huge blessings on this 1111 portal day to all of our listeners. Many thanks for being here. And I guess, um, TJ will be needing our outro music and I know he's juggling a lot right now. So he may not have seen my message there in the chat, but music maestro, please. Oh, I have, we have the song. Okay. Music maestro. Yes. You can play the music. Ah, excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you again, everyone. Namaste. Namaste.